Uh, last week, within um, fundies, as I'm calling them, these are fundamental things, fundamental aspects of, of, of the faith of Christianity that have kind of been pushed to the side a little bit, um, which I'll get into more, but things that don't get talked about enough, even if they are super important. You following? So last week we started on kind of a, kind of a sub-category of fundies. So far I have three subcategories that we're going to get into. This is the second part of the first subcategory, just to let you know. So last week we got into the, the topic of the Holy Spirit. And basically, to recap, um, I talked about pretty much two different things. One thing I talked about was how the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is not, a, not some abstract force. And the Holy Spirit is not some lesser extension of God. The Holy Spirit is God. Yes. And I, I read an excerpt from a really cool devotional I found, or, or someone showed me, um, from... Francis Chan, uh, and basically talked about how if you forget about the Holy Spirit, you're forgetting about God, because the Holy Spirit is God. He's part of the Trinity. So we talked about that last week. Uh, Another thing we talked about last week regarding the Holy Spirit is the infilling of the Spirit, what some people call the baptism of the Spirit. And you find that throughout the book of Acts, throughout the rest of the epistles. And um, about the baptism of the Spirit... We really dove into that one a lot last week, and, you know, big points that came out of that were that the baptism of the Spirit is not, is not like a side issue of Christianity. And I talked about how a lot of people, when they get born again, you know, you, you enter the kingdom of heaven, and a lot of people think, over here on this, in this far corner, you've got these people that, you know, some people call them Pentecostals or whatever, and they've got this little token gift from God that they call the baptism of the Spirit, and that's cool for them, but I don't need that, so I'm going over here, and that's how most people view Christianity, and that's not the case, because like I talked about last week, the baptism of the Spirit is very important to God, and I went so far as to say that, you know, you can argue with it, but I believe that the baptism of the Spirit is the second biggest priority of God for people after salvation. And we talked a lot about that last week because, you know, born-again people just, let me put it this way, uh, born-again people make the devil mad, but spirit-filled people make the devil scared. So, also, if you'll recall last week, remember how I said that I wasn't going to get super academic with this. Yeah, I was wrong. (laughs) Because I was thinking about it this week. As I was putting this together, I was thinking about how the Lord, how the Lord uses me. And I believe that he uses me as a teacher more than a preacher. Those are two different um, offices spelled out in Ephesians. Ephesians tells of a you know, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the preacher, and the teacher. I, I'm more of a teacher. And all five of those things, Ephesians tells us, are in the church to equip people in some way. Preachers equip people in a certain way for certain things. Teachers equip people in certain different ways for different things. So tonight, I want you to think of this as you're being equipped for something that may be different from being equipped by, you know, some, some fireball preacher up here. Uh, so stick with me here. The first portion of this is going to be, who, who, you know, who's ready for some meat? We talk about the milk of the word and the meat of the word. We're going to get into some meat. All right, so we've been on the Holy Spirit, and after going into... The baptism of the Spirit, like we see uh, in Acts. Tonight we're going to be talking about praying in the Spirit. Uh, you could also, the, the word also, also calls it speaking in tongues. 
And the first thought that I want to get across tonight is that speaking in tongues is the initial sign that a person has been filled with the Spirit. It is the proof that a person has been baptized with the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to show you uh, in Acts. Now, you don't have to turn to these. Just if you're writing them down, you can write them down. But Acts records five instances where people were filled with the Spirit. Uh, Acts 2, obviously, is the very first time. It's the day of Pentecost when the 120 disciples, they were, they were in that upper room. They were just, just kind of chilling there, praying. And they were all in one accord, the Word says, and then they were filled with the Spirit. And it goes on to explain that. And they all began to speak with other tongues. And the second instance in Acts is in Acts 8. It's when the Samaritans were filled with the Spirit. Now, one thing on that, the passage in Acts 8 doesn't explicitly say they spoke with other tongues, but a man named Simon saw that the Holy Ghost was given. Now, can you see the Holy Ghost visually with your natural eyes? You know, the Holy Spirit is, well, it's kind of in his name. He's, he's a spirit. You can't visually see a spirit. So Simon saw something as proof that they were filled with the Spirit. Now, logically, we can assume that they were speaking with tongues. And in Acts 9 is the next instance where people, where, or someone was filled with the Spirit, and that was Saul, who later became Paul. And again, it does not explicitly say that he spoke with tongues right then, but this, you know, this is the same man who wrote in 1 Corinthians 14. He said, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. Right. So putting together the rest of these instances, we can assume that he probably spoke with tongues there and then. Uh, the next instance was in Acts 10, and that was Cornelius and his household. It was when Peter got the vision to go visit Cornelius. He prayed with Cornelius to get born again, and then he laid his hands on him, and he was filled with the Spirit. Uh, and finally, Acts 19 was the disciples at Ephesus. You know, the book of Ephesians, that was written to the people at Ephesus. That was these same people. So, five instances where people were filled with the Spirit, three of which it explicitly says they spoke with other tongues immediately, the other two of which we can logically assume that they did. Now, I want to tackle this one, this one thing that people always say over and over. I have heard it from so many people, is this. Well, I, you know, I prayed for the baptism, but I didn't speak in tongues. Now, I want to talk about that real quick. Because you hear this from so many people. Now, the word says, if you ask for the Holy Spirit, God will give him to you. Correct? Yep. Is God unfaithful to his word? No. So, the only thing that we can assume on the, on the receiving end, you know, this is, there's only two points here, you and God. So, if God's not the problem... We've got to be the problem then, because God is not unfaithful. And what happens is, when a person, because I told you last week that you don't have to beg God for the Holy Spirit, all you have to do is receive, because God has already given the Holy Spirit, made him available, all you have to do is receive him. But when people go to, to receive the Holy Spirit, maybe it's in a church service or, or you know, whatever, uh, when people go to receive the Holy Spirit, maybe pray for the Holy Spirit, um, what happens is when a person receives the Holy Spirit, like legitimately receives the Holy Spirit, there are a few things that you can expect to happen. One of those is that the Holy Spirit will give utterance to you. It's, that's a fancy churchy word, I know, which um, I'll explain. But the Holy Spirit will supernaturally come upon you and give you words to say. 
Now, if a person goes to receive the Holy Spirit and they don't get that, they don't get that, that, that urge on the inside of them, that little nudging on the inside of them, well, that's a lack of faith. And they didn't really receive the Holy Spirit in the first place. And the remedy for that, how do, how do, how do we get faith? How does faith come? By hearing the word. So when a person goes to receive the Holy Spirit and they don't get, they got nothing, you know, just kind of white noise, static, you know, your antenna's kind of crooked, you're not getting a signal. Well, they didn't really believe it in the first place. And that happens so many times. And it happens a lot, I find, with people who are, who are, mm, I guess I'll use the word intelligent, you know, really intellectual people. I am one, and I struggled with this for a little bit uh, before I really dove into the Word to find out what was going on. Um, But you can overthink things, and one of the biggest hindrances to faith is overthinking things. So people can have a lack of faith in the first place to receive the Holy Spirit. Now, the other thing that happens is if a person goes to receive the Holy Spirit and they do get that that. You know, Jesus described it like, a, like a, uh, uh, a river of living water kind of flowing up. If a person goes to receive and they do get that, but they don't speak with tongues, that's a lack of being yielded because they don't yield to that and they just suppress it and let it die. Now, they received the Holy Spirit, but they did nothing with it, pretty much. That's how that works. And here's the thing about that. Because if a person does go to receive the Holy Spirit and they do get that unction, they do get that utterance on the inside, but they, they, they suppress it, the reason that they don't speak with tongues is because they think the Holy Spirit is going to speak in tongues through them. The Holy Spirit does not speak in tongues through you. And I believe that because people so associate uh, spiritual things with demonic activity that, you know, kind of subconsciously they think, okay, so this spirit is going to come live inside of me and therefore this spirit is going to take control of me. And that's kind of the way people think. And that's why people don't speak with tongues, and then they blame God. Well, I guess God didn't really give me the Holy Spirit, because I didn't, you know, he didn't make me speak in tongues. Well, that's not how it works. You do the speaking. And, you know, it's so wild, because I, I got to thinking about this. The, the speaking part of speaking in tongues, get this, get this. I'm about to blow y'all's mind here. The speaking, like the actual talking, speaking part of speaking in tongues is the least supernatural part of it. It's the least supernatural thing going on at the time. The supernatural part of speaking in tongues is where that utterance is coming from and what it's doing. The speaking part is just you speaking, yielding yourself to the Holy Ghost. So you don't have to assume that God is going to take control of your vocal cords and the Holy Spirit is going to talk through you. You are talking. It's your spirit talking through your mouth. All you have to do is yield your mouth. Because when you receive the Holy Spirit, He doesn't go away. He never goes away. You know, He says, I will never leave or forsake you. He's always there always available, always ready to, to, to do this thing. Let's go. I'm waiting on you. But he's waiting on you. So if you have ever, maybe, maybe in your lifetime, uh, a minister has called up maybe a prayer line or, or something like that to lay hands on you to receive the Holy Spirit, and maybe you did receive the Holy Spirit, but you never spoke with tongues. Well, I'm here to tell you today, you can do it whenever you want. You can receive that whenever you want. And you can speak in tongues whenever you want. 
you have to initiate it. So that's one, one big roadblock that kind of gets in the way of people. And I, I kind of came up with this analogy. Because uh, right now I'm, I'm, I'm really big into laptops and like technology right now. I, I just got a brand new one and it's really nice. So that's, that's kind of a trend that I'm, kind of a wave that I'm riding right now. But if I were to give you a brand new laptop, a super nice Lenovo gaming laptop, and you kept it in the box and put it on your shelf. Do you own the laptop? Yes. yes. But it's on the shelf. Do you still own the laptop? Yes. Well, it's the same thing with the Holy Spirit. Even if you receive the Holy Spirit, you can do nothing with it. It is possible to receive the Holy Spirit once and go your entire life without doing anything with it. It's the same thing. You have to take it down, open it up, access it, update the firmware, download the games, play the game. You are the initiator in, in this, this act of speaking in tongues. All right? So, now I'm going to go over some common... And, and remember now, I'm not... I'll put it this way. This is the equipping portion. I'm equipping you in order to know how to deal with other people, especially right here. Because I'm not assuming y'all are like, you know, anti the word or anti God or anything like that. So think of this as I'm giving you tools to use in your life regarding your interrelationships with other people here. Okay, so I'm going to go over some common objections and misconceptions to speaking in tongues. And the first one here is, is this. Jesus didn't speak in tongues, so I don't have to either. Well, let's, let's get into that. Jesus lived, which is it's crazy to think about this. Jesus technically lived in the Old Covenant. I know it's in the New Testament, but until Jesus died and rose again, he was still under the Old Covenant. And speaking in tongues is New Covenant only. Uh, if you want to get real, real academic with it, uh, here's your one-minute academic lesson. Um, Jesus technically lived in what is called the dispensation of the law. Now, what that means is the dispensations are just different time periods of God's dealing with mankind, you know? And the dispensation of the law lasted from, I believe, Moses all the way up to the New Testament. And in that time period, God's people were being, uh, were being or God's people had the Mosaic Law, the, the Old Covenant, basically. And speaking in tongues wasn't a part of that. And it's interesting that you see... Um, what is it, seven of the gifts of the Spirit in Jesus' life? But you don't see tongues or interpretation because tongues and interpretation are under the new covenant. We're under the dispensation of grace right now, by the way. That's, that's pretty cool. So Jesus didn't speak in tongues, no, because he, didn't, he wasn't living under the dispensation of grace. And... Furthermore, Jesus said himself that believers would speak with new tongues in Mark 16, 17. And you'll get some people who will say, well, that just means people will, will speak in different languages, you know, different, like, like you know, Chinese, uh, Arabic, different languages like that. Well, no, that's not true, because everything he mentioned here in Mark 16, he mentions like five different things that believers will do in his name, speaking in tongues being one of them, he mentions like five different things, and they're all supernatural in nature. Learning a different language is not supernatural. And the word also says that when a person speaks in a tongue, no one can understand him. It's, it's gibberish to the natural mind. So, no, Jesus didn't speak with tongues, but that doesn't mean that you, you shouldn't. 
Because we're living in a completely different covenant. And indicative of this covenant is the God-given ability to speak with other tongues. So that's one objection that people have. Another objection, are you all ready for this? Because I've heard it so many times. Tongues are of the devil. Y'all, people will, people will spout this off like a broken record. I am telling you. But, okay, if tongues, if, if speaking in tongues is of the devil, then so is our entire belief system. Right. I mean, really. They think we have a different Holy Spirit than they do. <laughs> you know, that's a completely different Holy Spirit giving you all that tongue stuff. I mean, if speaking in tongues is of the devil, then I'm of the devil, and you're of the devil, and you're of the devil, because we've all got the Holy Spirit inside of us. And if that's of the devil, then we're all of the devil. And Luke 11, 11 through 13, says, What father among you, if his son asks him for a fish, will, instead of a fish, give him a serpent? You think your dad would give you a snake if you asked him for a fish? Hopefully not. Or if he asked for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And the people who say these things, that say that you know tongues is of the devil, they would do well to go back to Isaiah 5.20, where it says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. They would also do well to go to Luke 12.10. says, And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. You can take that how you will. I take it as don't call the Holy Spirit of the devil. So don't do that. And another objection that people have is, well, you know, tongues, tongues is not for today. Tongues, tongues has ceased, you know. And, and we call that cessationalist, uh, uh, cessationalist theology. That means that, you know, all the miracles and the, the, basically just the power of the Holy Spirit, that all stopped with the last apostle. But the Bible does not teach that. The Bible does not teach that at all. And the only verse that people can even attempt to use to justify that is in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 8. And it is a super weak argument. Let me read it. It says, Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. Now, you can take that out of context and say, see, tongues have tongues ceased. That's a thing of the past. That's not for today. But when you, take, you can take any verse out of the Bible out of context and make it say whatever you want. Read the rest of it. It says, as for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. Oh, so you're perfect. <laughs> Tongue, tongues isn't for today. You must be perfect. I did, I'm sorry. You're perfect. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up child of, childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Oh, so you, you're face to face with God. Okay. Tongues isn't for... T- oh, you've been face to face with God. All right. I got you. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully. Oh, I'm sorry. You know fully. You know fully, you know, you must know more than the Holy Spirit. This passage is talking about when we get to heaven. It's not talking about while we're on this earth, obviously. And that's the only verse that people can pull out. Well, you know, the the Bible says that tongues will cease. Yeah, tongues will cease when we get to heaven, because we won't need it anymore. And those people would again do well to go read the very next chapter. 
Because 1 Corinthians 14, uh, chapter 14, verse 39 says, So, brothers, earnestly desire to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. So, tongues have not ceased. It did not die with the last apostle. Tongues is for today. So, the next big objection that people have is that only the original apostles could lay hands on people to receive the Holy Spirit. And the people who say that, they use um, Acts 8 for that argument. We read Acts 8 last week. Basically, it was when Philip the evangelist went to Samaria got a whole bunch of people saved. They were having this big old revival. Um, uh, Philip went back to Jerusalem, and they sent, uh, who was it? I believe it was Peter and John, if I'm not mistaken. I could be. Um, I don't have it written down here. But they sent, basically sent two of the, the apostles back to Samaria to get them filled with the Spirit. Peter and John, yes. But basically they sent Peter and John back to Samaria to get them filled with the Spirit. And people use that as an argument. Well, you know, only the original apostles could do that. We don't have that. You know, people today, we can't do that. We're not that special. But if you read two of those five instances that we read at the beginning here of, in Acts of people getting filled with the Spirit, uh, two of those... Hands weren't even laid on people to receive the Holy Spirit. And in one of those, it wasn't even an apostle that did it. The, the man who got Paul, the apostle, filled with the Holy Spirit, Ananias, he was just a, just a dude, just a disciple. He was just some guy who loved the Lord, and the Lord told him, hey, go see Paul, lay hands on him, you know, all that. So, no, you don't have to be an apostle to lay hands on people and get them filled with the Spirit. Anyone can be filled with the Spirit. All right. The, uh, the next big objection, and I, it's my last, my last big objection before this next part here, is that tongues aren't for everyone, which is what I kind of talked about last week, about people who think that those tongues people, they're off in this corner, and I don't need that, so I'm going this way. Speaking in tongues cannot be done without the infilling of the Spirit. And the infilling of the Spirit cannot be proven without speaking in tongues. They're not the same thing, but they go hand in hand. And I showed last week that the baptism of the Spirit is God's will for all of His children. And, you know, some people, again... Taking verses out of context. Some people try to use 1 Corinthians 12 as an argument against this. Uh, There's a verse in there that says, Do all prophesy? Do all speak with tongues? And the implied answer is no. But if you read the chapter, put it in context, it's not talking about spiritual gifts. It's talking about ministry gifts. Two different things. Is everyone an apostle? No. Is everyone an evangelist? No. And these things that Paul is referring to here go hand in hand. What he's talking about here is some people have, some people are just gifted in that way to where they, their, their gifting is to give uh, words in tongues and interpretation in, in public, you know, in, in, say, a church service or something. That's what he's talking about right there. It's a ministry gift, not a spiritual gift. Right. So speaking in tongues is a vital part of every believer's life. And I wrote, I wrote a little, a little um, let's call it a parable. I wrote a parable, y'all. I'm pretty excited about it. So let's say a certain man went to Best Buy. He went to Best Buy to because his, his HDMI cable went out. You know, his HDMI cable broke. Couldn't hook up his uh, Roku to the TV or whatever. So he went to Best Buy to get a new HDMI cable. And he got to Best Buy, and, you know, he, he, he went, and he got his HDMI cable, and he was heading back to the front. But then he saw something 
turned right back around, put that HDMI cable back, went straight up to the manager, and he was like, I didn't know y'all were one of those places that sold phone chargers. I didn't know y'all were one of those, those phone charger places. I don't believe in that phone charger stuff. I'm leaving. This place is weird. This is of the devil. Y'all phone charger people. Can you survive today without a phone charger? No. Your phone will be dead. It's the same thing with the Holy Spirit. You got Christians walking around powerless. You got Christians walking around spiritually dead. And they think, you know, they don't need that because it's kind of weird. That's kind of goofy. You know, that's of the devil. I'm... I'm smarter than that, you know. I'm too intelligent for that. All those goofy people over there speaking in tongues. But speaking in tongues is where a Christian derives their power source in their life. Speaking in tongues is vital to every Christian. It's not a side issue. It's not something that you can just shove away and say, I don't want that. I mean, you can, but you're missing out on a big portion of being a believer. And on that note, I have here, you can can write this down. I like taking notes. I'm a note taker. Ten reasons why every believer should speak in tongues. And I'm actually going to go in reverse order. But I'm going to go ahead and give you number one because we've already talked about it. The number, one belief, the number one reason that everyone should speak in tongues is because it is the initial sign of being baptized with the Spirit. That's kind of a, you know, okay, that one's number one by default. I gotcha. I get that. But we're going to start with number 10 here and work our way down. This is in semi-order of importance, in my opinion. I put, the, I put this numbering together. So, 10 reasons why every believer should speak in tongues. Number 10, speaking in tongues brings your tongue under subjugation. James tells us in chapter 3 of his book that no one can fully control their tongue. The tongue is a restless evil, a deadly poison. He, He has an entire chapter dedicated on just how dangerous your tongue is. But... Thanks to the Holy Spirit, tongues, speaking in tongues, is the one way that you can fully, confidently, with no way of error, fully submit your tongue to the Lord. Even even if you're going to God and you're praying, you know, there could be little nuggets in that prayer that, you know, may not be entirely scriptural, or it may not be entirely right, but if you're speaking in tongues, you can have full assurance that you are speaking, your, your, your tongue is fully submitted to the Lord in that moment. So, speaking in tongues brings your tongue under subjugation. Number nine, tongues is a way of expressing perfect thanks and praise. Speaking and praying in tongues, praying in the Spirit, allows you to express the unexpressible. It gives your spirit an avenue to express things that you can't give words to. And Corinthians talks about that. It talks about there, there, are, there are groanings in the Spirit that, that can't be uttered. And that's why... You, you speak them out in tongues. And the Word talks about, um, in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 15, it says, What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, and I will sing with my mind also. And then verse 17 says, For you may be giving thanks well enough. And actually... The, that word enough there was added for that version. I should have written it down in the King James. It just says, for you verily give thanks well. In other words, when you are 
singing or, or, or just praying in tongues, that's a good thing. When you're giving thanks, it is, it is a perfect connection between your spirit and God. And when you're praising him or, or, or thanking him in tongues, you're expressing perfectly that thanks and that praise, something that you literally cannot mess up because your, your mind, your head is not coming up with it. So, tongues is a way of expressing perfect thanks and praise. Number eight, speaking in tongues is a means of keeping free from the world's corruption. Paul, now let me break this one down. Paul instructs us in 1 Corinthians that speaking in tongues is not, it's not like a public thing you do for other people. In other words, you know, I'm not going to get up here and just start speaking in tongues because you're not benefiting from it because you can't understand it unless someone interprets, which is a whole other story. But when you are in public, especially on the job, I'll say, I do this a lot on the job, when you're around other people and these people are not Christians, they're worldly people, and, you know, the, the, the atmosphere gets a little icky, you know? You know, sometimes when people are around you and they're cussing and they're making vulgar jokes and they're just bad-mouthing other people, you know, you can tell. Y'all know that feeling. When it get, just gets kind of eh, just kind of eh, you can just sense it. Well, a good way to counter that is just start speaking in tongues, just under your breath. Nobody has to hear you. Just real quietly. And what does that do? That builds you up on the inside and gives you like this personal little bubble, like a, like a spiritual force field. Like that stuff cannot touch me because I'm communing with my father right now. So, speaking in tongues helps you to keep free from the world's corruption. So, number seven. Praying in tongues, and this is a good one. Praying in tongues stimulates faith. Jude, verse 20, says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, and praying in the Holy Spirit. Speaking in tongues does not give you faith, because faith only comes one way, here in the Word. We know that. The Word says that. But speaking in tongues does stimulate your faith. It's like a faith workout. Why? Because you're doing it in faith. You speak in tongues by faith. And the more you operate in faith, the more you build that faith. So speaking in tongues, it's... It, it, it's like it, it charges up your faith, you know. And, you know, there are certain circles of people, like my, uh, my old school that I, that I was at, at Rhema, that when they pray, buddy, they pray. I love it. And it's one of the reasons I encourage people to pray when we're here for corporate prayer. Pray. You know, I don't, you don't have to be screaming and yelling, but pray out loud. Why? Because it stimulates your faith. You can't, you can't really, it's hard to pray something out loud and not be confident in it, you know? Because with confidence comes boldness. And you can stimulate that boldness. You can, you can charge that boldness up by praying in the Spirit and, and praying it out loud to yourself. So praying in tongues, number seven, stimulates faith. All right, number six. Tongues reminds us of the Spirit's indwelling presence. John 14, 16 and 17 says, And I will ask the Father, this is Jesus talking, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him or knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. You know, when you are conscious of, of the living, almighty God living on the inside of you, it's bound to affect the way you live your life. Yeah. It's bound to affect the way you think, the way you talk. And speaking in tongues is a great way to remind yourself, you know, 
I'm doing this because the Spirit enables me to do this. It's a good reminder for yourself. And just another reason why believers should be speaking in tongues. Number five, working our way down. Praying in tongues brings spiritual refreshing. In uh, Isaiah 28, verses 11 and 12, we actually find a prophecy from Isaiah regarding speaking in tongues. It says, For by people of strange lips and with a foreign tongue, the Lord will speak to his people, to whom he has said, This is rest. Give rest to the weary, and this is repose. Repose means refresh, refreshing. So praying in tongues, it kind of goes back to what I was saying about sometimes you can, you can get a little icky sometimes, you know, from the world and its pressures and, to put it bluntly, the world's evil. And when that starts to bog you down, to refresh yourself, just pray in the Spirit for a while. And when, when, you're, when you're done after that, you just feel a little lighter, because it's the Holy Spirit working with you on the inside. And working with the Holy Spirit will only ever bless you. So, praying in tongues brings spiritual refreshing. Number four. Praying in tongues. Okay, this one is so important. Praying in tongues is praying in line with God's perfect will. Praying in the Spirit keeps all self-centeredness out of our prayers. Because all of us, every person in this room and beyond, have, have done this at some point. You can get to a place where your prayer life starts to be all about me. You know, I've had to correct myself on this many times to where you're constantly just praying for you and what you want and what you think God wants for you and what you think should happen and what you think and what you want and so on and so forth. But when you pray in tongues, you're praying a perfect prayer. The word describes it as, as well, as that, as a perfect prayer. Your, your spirit is lined up with God's spirit perfectly. And when you pray in tongues, you're praying in line with that perfect will. Did you know it is possible to receive things? It's possible to receive something that is not entirely within God's will. We see that in Scripture. The Israelites, you know, begged God for so long. We want a king. We want a king. Give us a king, God. We want to be like the other nations. And God finally said, God finally said, fine, I'll give you a king. Y'all know it's going to be a mess. But if you keep asking, fine, here's a king. God didn't want to give them a king, but they kept on begging they kept on begging, and the word says that you will have what you say if you believe it. So it's possible to receive something that God might not want for you. But when you pray in tongues, it's perfectly lined up with what God wants. Yes. And that, in my opinion, is the fourth biggest reason people should, uh, should speak with tongues. Now, all right, y'all, this next one is so, mm, I wanted, so, the, the number two and number three were so close. Ugh. I wanted this one to be number three, but then I was like, oh, but number two is mentioned more. And I was kind of fighting back and forth for a long time, which should be number two and number three. And then I realized it didn't matter because I came up with this order myself. But this one is so huge, y'all. Number three, tongues is for spiritual edification. Jude, verse 20 again. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 14, 4. The one who speaks in a tongue builds himself up. And the one who prophesies builds up the church. And I find it, it's, it's, it, you do well to remember the, that verse 14 
in 1 Corinthians 14 says, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So when you're praying in tongues, your head is not doing anything. You are not coming up with these words that you say. You are not thinking about what should I do next? What should I say next? It's all just flowing out of your spirit. So think of it like this. When, um, when you go to the gym, you're working out your body. When you go to, when you go to class, school or, or whatever, you're, you're working out your mind. When you're praying in tongues, you're working out your spirit. Yes. And that's the most neglected part of a person is their spirit, which, unfortunately, it's the most important part of a person. You work out your spirit, one, by getting into the Word and hearing the Word and studying the Word, but also praying in the Spirit. And, you know, it's really cool. And again, people who are a lot smarter than me worked this out. Um, Again, I would point out Rick Renner. He's a Greek scholar. But the word edification or edify in the Greek... It means to charge or to fortify. And actually, it's an architectural word that, that describes when, when you have a building and you're, you're building it out. You're building it. You're fortifying it. It's, you're building it up. And that's what's happening on the inside of you when you pray in the Spirit. You are fortifying yourself. You are making yourself stronger in your spirit. And it makes me think of when I went to uh, that missions trip in Zambia, my third year of Rama, every morning we would wake up, we would all meet together at the, the little table there, and we would all just pray in the Spirit for a while. Why? Because we were building ourselves up. <laughs> we were building ourselves up. Oh, goodness. I haven't talked like this in a while. <clears throat> so, we were building ourselves up in Zambia. Wow, that's weird. Um, every morning, we would build ourselves up like that in the spirit for a while because, especially on a mission trip like that, you need to be strong yeah. like that because... Especially in a, like, Zambia is a dark place, y'all. Full of spiritual darkness, spiritual evil. And by praying in the Spirit, you're making yourself stronger on the inside. And we needed that. And all of us need that when we encounter things in our day-to-day. Like, when you build yourself up like that, you'll always be ready for anything. If, uh, if you encounter, like, evil spiritual activity, it won't shake you. Yes. And you'll always be ready to give just the right word to somebody in any situation. Yeah. And that's the reason, one of the reasons, well, one of two reasons. The rest, uh, or the other reason we'll talk about here in a second. But one of the reasons I really encourage people on Sunday mornings to pray, to pray in the Spirit. Even if you do it under your breath, pray. Why? Because we need to be charged up, especially on a Sunday morning. You know, before, before the service, we need to be charged up. And think about it like this. When your battery gets low on the inside, you need it charged up. When you feel like you're, you're getting spiritually weak, you need to get stronger again. And to get stronger again... You pray in the Spirit. So, number three is tongues is for spiritual edification. And number two, number one I gave you already. Number two, praying in tongues enables us to pray for the unknown. See, there is no possible way for you to know everything that's going on in your whole sphere of life. And praying in the Spirit 
allows you to pray for that. And it goes back to what I was saying. (coughs) Praying in tongues is something you can do whenever you want. And when you kind of get an urging on the inside, you kind of get that unction that you need to pray for something, but you may not know what, follow it. Follow that unction. We encounter things every single day that if we had prayed for them beforehand, would have gone better. And when you pray in the Spirit, the Word says that you are speaking out mysteries, or in other words, you are praying out things that you don't even know, but the Holy Spirit knows. In fact, it's the Holy Spirit that, it's kind of cool, the Holy Spirit is not only giving you things to say, but he's also translating them back to God. That's kind of how it works. So when you're praying in, in, in the Spirit, you may be praying things that you, you, you don't understand in the natural mind. You may not get it. And honestly, you, a lot of times you may not ever know why you prayed, but a lot of times that could be a good thing because it could have been something pretty bad. And um, I've heard many stories where people have just gotten an urge to, I need to pray in the Spirit right now. And they did. Maybe it was five minutes, maybe it was an hour. But later that day, they find out that maybe it was a family member that got into an accident. And, you know, they could have died. But the Lord prompted them to pray for it. They didn't know why. They just got a prompting to pray. And their family member or or friend or whatever, they, they survived because that person prayed. That person followed that unction. They didn't know why. They just knew, I got to pray right now. So praying in tongues enables us to pray for the unknown. Now I know, goodness, it's 8 o'clock already. (laughs) My whole point in tonight is that Praying in tongues is, things, is, is this thing that we should do every single day. Yeah. You know, I, I read this phrase somewhere. You can, you can live on the mountaintop, so to speak. A lot of people, they get filled with the Spirit, and it's this just awesome experience. And, you know, they feel like they're on the mountaintop with God, you know, like, like Abraham but then it all goes downhill the next day because they're back in the world, they're back in, the, they're back in their job, you know, the, the weight of life is dragging them down, but you don't have to. Right. You can dwell on the mountaintop, so to speak. You can live there every day. You don't have to let yourself, you know, fall down the slope, so to speak. And by speaking in tongues, you are keeping yourself charged up. You are keeping yourself ever ever in remembrance that God is inside of me and God is working in me. And when you pray in the Spirit, you are praying out things that you may not even be aware of. Hallelujah. This is a vital gift that God has given us. So it is something for every believer and it is something that we need to be doing every single day. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, that's what I got for tonight. Let's pray.